Hello. Hi. Welcome back to Books Before Bros. Um, we have a new episode for you today. And we're kind of sticking with the romance sort of adult sort of genre of things. We're just a little bit hooked on it at the moment, aren't we? A little bit, yeah. Can't help ourselves. No. <laughs> There's been quite a lot of them recently. Um, pretty much all I've read since the new year. Yeah, they're blurring into one a little bit for me. Might be time for a change. <laughs> time to switch it up. But not, not today. So our next one is... A little bit of a sensation. Um, it took me a little bit of a time to read it, so Emma read it a long before that I did. Um, and then when I did read it, I loved it. It was first seen for us in Waterstones. Mm-hmm. Had its own little table in Waterstones. And the cover was so pretty that it drew us in and we wanted to read it. But it had it has got like a few sort of almost... I don't know whether you'd call them trigger warnings, but it's not as easy to read as I would necessarily say. I don't think it's an easy read per se, actually. It's got some real strong talking points. Yeah, I guess actually some trigger warnings for this book should be advised. It was a beautiful read, but it was difficult. Yeah, it's not your bog standard romance, but... I went into it not knowing what to expect. I didn't know much about it at all. And it was like a huge curveball, absolutely. But it's brilliantly written. So um, Emma's going to introduce the book and read the blurb to you. Okay. Today we are going to be talking about It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. The legend. (laughs) I think I love her a little bit right now. Okay. So the blurb says, Sometimes the one who loves you is the one who hurts you the most. Lily hasn't always had it easy, but that's never stopped her from working hard for the life she wants. She's come a long way from the small town in Maine where she grew up. She graduated from college, moved to Boston and started her own business. So when she feels a spark with a gorgeous neurosurgeon named Royal Kincaid, everything in Lily's life suddenly seems almost too good to be true. Royal is assertive, stubborn and maybe even a little arrogant. He's also sensitive, brilliant and has a total soft spot for Lily. But Royal's complete aversion to relationships is disturbing. As questions about her new relationship overwhelm her, so do thoughts of Atlas Corrigan, her first love and link to the past she left behind. He was her kindred spirit, her protector. When Atlas suddenly reappears, everything Lily has built with Royal is threatened. With this bold and deeply personal novel, Colleen Hoover delivers a heart-wrenching story that breaks exciting new ground for her as a writer. It Ends With Us is an unforgettable tale of love that comes at the ultimate price. Great blurb, actually. Yeah. It doesn't give yeah. anything away as to what actually goes down in the story. It's Which is so unusual because sometimes you read a blurb and then you're like, well, I don't need to read the book anymore. That's yeah. it. Like movie trailers. Yeah. Um, this was actually quite a difficult read for me. I read it quite quickly, but I think I spent a lot of time digesting it as well. Definitely. And I felt that what was kind of beautiful about this book in one sense is that you... You are so into the story, you're so into the characters that you empathise the same way that Lily empathises and your brain twists things the same way Lily's brain twists things. And I don't know how it was for you, but for me, I was a little bit like, after reading it, I was a little bit like, what the hell just happened to me? Because I I have very strong opinions about things that have happened in this book and I would never, ever have empathised 
No. At all. I was exactly the same. There are things that I thought were in my belief system that were completely shook by this book. Mm. Completely. I I felt myself justifying things I shouldn't have justified, but the same way that Lily was, it was eye-opening. Yes. How many stars would you give it? I think I would give it a four and a half. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Four and a half stars for this book. Um, it, I think, as a book, it opened my eyes to a viewpoint that I, thankfully, have never been a part of. And made me realise that, actually, it's a lot more complicated than you think. And it's not really about strength. It's about the persuasion technique that comes with things. And it's not about being able to just leave someone that treats you badly. It's about the fact that you love them. Mm-hmm. It shows you the other side of the curtain. Yeah, Because when does. you hear people's stories, it's easy to think, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't put up with that. But seeing it from her side, from her point of view, you, you've fallen in love with Rahl the same way that she has. So mm-hmm. seeing it from her point of view, it's... Yeah, it's, I, I keep saying it, but it's eye-opening. It's enlightening. Yeah. I think one of the things that I love about this book the most is that... It, First of all, on a much lighter note, when Lily was younger, she would write in a journal. And the quite cute, funny side of this is that she writes in her journal to Ellen DeGeneres. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I was a bit like, is that actually happening? But it really worked. It really helped to light, to lighten the whole vibe of the book, actually. Yeah. And poor Lily's life at home when she was younger was not a bed of roses either. Should we get a spoiler warning? Before we crack on? I feel like, yeah. Okay, let's let's do spoiler now. Okay. Because From this point on, we're going to spoil some shit. <clears throat> spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. <laughs> spoiler warning. We need to think of a more elegant way of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Lily was brought up in an abusive household. Her father would never hurt Lily, but would hurt her mother. And... He wouldn't want to do it in front of Lily, but he would hit her mother. He would verbally abuse her mother. Lily knew that was happening. So even though her father would try and hide it, I guess, he he wasn't doing a very good job of it. She knew. Um, And her mom knew that she knew. And let's be honest, her dad knew that she knew. And her mother would always excuse the behaviour. She would always say, you know, like, he's tired or he's upset or it's just an argument, Lily, don't worry about it. It's fine, Lily, just leave it. And that shows quite a high, like, psychological effect, even at the beginning. For how her mom was dealing with it, I think that Lily always sort of looks at her mother differently for it in the beginning of this book because she can't quite understand why her mum would stay with her dad. She doesn't get it. She can't understand it. Bit of resentment, really, isn't it? Yeah. She's definitely angry at her mum, and she's upset that she stayed with her father. At the very beginning of the book, before you start getting the flashbacks, Lily is actually on a rooftop where she first meets Ryle. And she explains that she was at her father's funeral and her her mother asked her to stand up and say good things about her dad, which I think is totally out of order and really unfair. Mm -hmm. But 
Lily gets up in front of everyone at the church and says, you know, I've I've been asked to talk to you about the good things about my father. She says nothing. <laughs> she says nothing. She stands there for two whole minutes of silence before someone else takes her place and takes her down. And at the beginning, her mum is like, you know, I shouldn't have asked you to do that. That was really difficult for you. I can understand why you froze, why you felt like you you were overwhelmed. And that's that's okay. I don't blame you. But because you read it from Lily's point of view, you know she did that on purpose. She didn't have anything good to say, so she said nothing. It's kind of like the first flag about her and her mum's relationship because mm. she never. they don't talk about anything, honestly. I mean, she knew when she stood up there and didn't say anything. That she was doing it intentionally. Yeah. But she chose to not make a huge deal out of it, not be confrontational. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit twisted. So, yeah, later on in the book, you realise that actually her mother knew that she was standing there and, and doing it on purpose. Um, And the fact that her mum knew and chose to, to just sort of change the narrative of it um, is quite the strong statement for the two of them together, really. Yeah. So... So far that we know that Lily's mum was abused by her dad and Lily's dad was a bit of a dick, to put it lightly. Um, Lily's dad is dead. He died after after being ill for quite a while, didn't he? Like he got to at one point she reads you read that she says that he got too sick to hit her. Mm-hmm. Um and then his her mum cared for her dad and then he died. And yeah, she's up on this rooftop, sort of trying to get a bit of clarity, I think, and sort of just breathe in air, relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her peacefulness gets disturbed by a guy that comes up and starts kicking the shit out of a, what did they call it? Military grade something, the material of the chair, because she was like, there was quite a description that went into this chair, actually, on how it was standing up to the fact he was kicking the shit out of it. Yeah, he's putting up a fight. Yeah. Um, and he's really angry, and he's up there, and he's beating the crap out of this chair. And that should have really been the first warning, but it was never a warning to me. It was never something I picked up on, because when he gives the explanation for why he's up there, when they start having the conversation and stuff, and when you find out why he's up there kicking a chair, you're like, okay. I feel the same way. And it's never something that flashed through my mind at all as a warning sign. No. Maybe it should have. So Ryle and Lily have a conversation up on the roof and he's basically trying to get her to sleep with him. <laughs> he says they, they do like a sort I, of naked truth kind of exchange when they just ask each other questions. Like they give up really, really honest things about themselves. Mm. And one of his is, I want to fuck you really bad. <laughs> Which was a very blunt conversation, but I think, I don't know, it's quite interesting reading stories about people that are like our age, even slightly younger than us, Mm -hmm. but only slightly. Because, you know, a part of me is just like, it's a fucking neurosurgeon. Like, how how is this dude my age and he's like a surgeon? Mm -hmm. And then I realise that I'm almost 30 and that's quite normal. Yeah. And then I look at all my friends who are married and have babies and I'm like, how is this guy 28, a neurosurgeon, and still scared of commitment? Yeah. He's like against relationships, isn't he? He wants casual. Yeah. Um, So... Lily opens up to him about the fact that she wants to open up her own florist called Lily Blooms. Yeah. And ironically, that is her name. 
Her name is Lily Bloom. She's, she does talk about how she's worried people will think it's a cliche that she became a florist because of her name, but it's actually her dream. I think I think Colleen Hoover is the queen of quirky names. Oh, yeah. Every book I read of hers has a weirdly named character in it. Yeah, to the point where you're a little bit like, what was their name again? Yeah. You can read a whole book about them, and as soon as you move on to another book, you're a little bit like, oh, shit, I forgot their name. And it's not because the book wasn't good, because, you know, the book stays with you for ages. It's just the fact that they're so unusual that you have to then go back and be like, what? <laughs> um. Anyway, I digress. So they don't see each other again after that night. He takes a photograph of her, but they do not exchange numbers. They kind of leave it a little bit up to, like, fate, I guess. Mm. And that really kicks them in the ass because... Lily is opening up her own florist the day she buys the place and goes to see the venue or the the shop. Um, a woman walks in the door and she's like, there was a sign outside that you're hiring. And she was like, I've literally just bought the building. <laughs> like, like, I haven't got anything ready. And, you know, she makes a very instant connection and friendship with Alyssa. I really liked Alyssa. Yes. She's infectious. She was. Clearly, absolutely loaded beyond belief, mm. like ridiculously wealthy woman who didn't need to work for money, but was bored, so <laughs> wanted to work. It, in doing so, sparked up this friendship with Lily, and they became very good friends. And then you find out that Alyssa is actually the sister of Ryle. Shocking. All Thanks. these people in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> and they happen to be related. Um, so Lily's new employee is Royal sister, Alyssa. And you figure this out because Lily is balancing on God knows what, trying to lift crates and stuff and falls over and hurts her ankle. And Alyssa's like, my brother's a doctor. I'll give him a call. And then Bob's your uncle. Ryle walks through the door. I know, I like that. Do you like that? I do. No, thank you. <laughs> um, and there sparks their next sort of, like, meeting, mm. I guess. Do you want to tell them a bit about this book? I feel like I've been talking for, like, 15 <laughs> minutes. So. I'm just trying to think about what happens next. Um, it's just very honest with her. I think he still very much wants to sleep with her. Mm. But I think the more time he spends with her the more he realises he's willing to give a relationship a go. Mm. And that's what happens. Like, they get into a relationship. He says that she makes it easy. Mm -hmm. Like, he, she makes it easy for him to want to do that because of the kind of person she is. Yeah, and Lily's great, so I can't really blame him. No. Starts working out really well. Like, he sends her flowers, tells her that um, he's what he's addicted. He tells, he tells her that he's addicted to her and sends her, like, flowers that say, I need my next fix, which I thought was really funny. I'd just like to point out, though, if we can kind of skip to the... Let's skip to the good part. Okay, so um, they go to a restaurant. They go to this new restaurant, and it's called BB. I can't remember the name of the restaurant. It's called BB. Yeah. I swear it's Take called BB. It. And it's, like, new in Boston. Sounds amazing. I'd just like to point out that there's some there's some inklings in this that we should have noticed, okay? We should have put the connections together when you walk into the restaurant and there is a massive tree in the middle of it and it's an oak tree 
And we should have connected that straight away, but you don't think of the connection when you're reading it because it's just a frigging tree in the middle of a restaurant. But in one of the flashbacks, um, when she's writing to Ellen, she tells you about a conversation that her herself, Lily, had had with Atlas where she'd said that he is like a tree. How the oak tree had sort of, you know, put down roots and grown and the effect of she likes planting things and making them grow and watching them grow and all this kind of thing. And she, she compares him to a, to an oak tree. <laughs> and it was like a big deal for them as, as you know, a 15 and 18 year old. And he helps her with like growing things and planting things. And it's very cute. And then they go to this restaurant and lo and behold, there's a friggin' oak tree in the middle of it. I did not pick up on that. Did you not? It wasn't until you messaged me going, there's a freaking tree in this restaurant that I, re- I remembered. And I put the whole thing together. To I was like, oh yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and then the server who brings them their food is Atlas. Yes. And it is Lily, Ryle and her mother that are there. And the only one that notices Atlas is Lily, right? Her mum doesn't notice, even though she has met Atlas before. And it's like the first time they've seen each other in nine years. Nine years? Maybe. I'm sure it's nine years. Um, So she's like freaking out. And then she excuses herself, walks off, and Atlas kind of corners her. That's like their first interaction in the now. Yeah. Because they haven't interacted, they've not seen each other in the now at all. And it's the first time they actually have, like, a conversation. Yeah. At this point in the book, you don't really know why it's a huge deal, because you know of Atlas, you've read about him in the flashbacks, but he hasn't really gone into depth with the flashbacks about what their relationship was, what it meant to Lily and to him, and how big of a deal he actually is. That's why I like flashbacks in books so much. He just kind of asks her how, how she's been, asks who the lucky guy is. I remember that much. Oh, yeah. She tells yes, him a little bit yeah, about him. Yeah. And then he tells her about the girlfriend that he's had for, like, five years. Yeah, he waits outside. No. 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 That's not true, Emma. You're wrong. I'm wrong? <laughs> You're wrong. So, I remember this very clearly. He waits for her by her car when um, Ryle says goodbye to her and her mother's gone. They have a conversation outside of the restaurant and she's explaining who Ryle is and she tells Atlas that they've been together about a year Mm. well they've known each other a year because obviously they met six months ago and now they're dating right so it's been about a year since she first met him yes it's a miscommunication yes and then he says that he's with someone that he met about a year ago and then actually says something along the lines of it's a shame that we hadn't had this conversation a year ago. Yeah. Because obviously it would have been the sort of, like, you wouldn't be with him, I wouldn't be with her. Very honest. Yeah. That, but it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, so it's it's a year. Um, and then kind of life kind of continues. That's kind of it for a little bit with Atlas. He's not in the book as much as I'd like him to be. No, she does read a lot about him in the flashbacks. And yeah. even though she's really happy with Ryan and it's going great, she's... I think seeing him kind of triggers her need for closure. And she's reading her old childhood journals and reading about their relationship and the friendship that they had and how that how that developed. And 
it's upsetting her and it's, it's making her need closure and things. Atlas, we should point out, was made homeless by his mother's partner and her mo- and his mother. Um, prob- I think he's 18, 17, 18. His desire to finish school is high and then he wants to go into the military. They don't actually live in Boston at this point, may I add. They live in Maine. It's actually a place called Plethora. So that's where they are when she's talking to Ellen in the past and she mentions in one of her entries she's like i've always found it weird that people write journals to nobody or to themselves so i'm gonna write to you ellen yeah she's a huge fan yeah she basically says the show got her through like really dark times and it was actually something that ended up being something that she did with atlas like made them both laugh in in this part where she's like talking to atlas he's trying to finish high school and then from high school wants to join the military and then wants to do something with his life, basically. He likes to cook. You figure that out, don't you? That he likes to cook. Um, he helps her bake cookies. Mm-hmm. Well, he teaches her to bake cookies, he doesn't he? He teaches her to do it, yeah. Um, and that's kind of all you get, really, until sort of one of the major points in the past is that Atlas manages to get in touch with his uncle, who lives in Boston, and his uncle agrees to take him on as a place for him to stay until he can join the military. So there's kind of like a, now I guess, like a finite amount of time that they have together. And he goes. He goes to Boston, even though it like guts him and Lily to leave each other, but she knows that he needs to do it. He's living in an abandoned house behind her house, He's got no heating, no electricity. He uses her shower. She feeds him. She washes his clothes for him. They only really have each other. And I, I the bond that they create shows that Lily was just so kind-hearted from the very beginning. As a 15-year-old child, she was sweet and attentive. And Maybe it comes from like a, a sense that she could never help her mum. Yeah. And maybe that's why she feels the need to help. He was kind of like a lost soul, wasn't he? Yeah. One thing we do realise is that actually um, Atlas comes back on her 16th birthday. And it's basically because I think he they were attracted to each other. They liked each other, but he was like 18, she was 15. So it was like a no-go. So he came back when she was legal. <laughs> It'd be weird. But, um, but it's not. <laughs> why did I not think that was weird? He couldn't really do any wrong in my eyes. No. But, you know, would have been weirder if he hadn't. Yeah. It was almost very sweet that he was so, as an 18-year-old guy, was really stuck to his morals about it because he'd only just turned 18, whereas then she was really far into being 15. So she was almost 16, whereas he just tipped the scale of, of 18, if I remember. I think it was about so, three months after, after he turned 16, was it? So around that time, a couple of months. Yeah, so it it there wasn't that big an age gap, really. Um, he came back and he bought her a magnet from Boston where the magnet said everything is better in Boston <laughs> so cute I think that's what he had to believe he hadn't got anywhere to go and when he found out he could go to Boston I think he truly, he truly believed that I think that's why he said that he got that magnet um, which just breaks me a little bit 
it breaks me even more to know that it's like still on her fridge. Yeah. So she kept that. Yeah. Um, Bibs. That's the name of the restaurant. Yeah. Bibs. Bibs. Did I say Beb? You said Bibby or something. Bibby. Mm. It's Bibs. The restaurant name is Bibs. And the reason why I just wanted to check it then is because obviously now I'm going to tell you how the restaurant got its name. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he buys her this little magnet that's got Boston on it and it says everything's better in Boston. Mm-hmm. And it's basically his way of saying like, come to Boston. Yeah. That, that you know that's where I'm going to be. I hear that everything is better in Boston. And they'd been talking about the fact that like he was going there and what he'd heard about Boston is that people don't want to leave when they're there because it's such a great place mm-hmm. and that everything is better there. So that's where his uncle lives. So that's where he was going. And he does join the military and he does four tours. Yeah. I think it's four tours. Um in the military, and then leaves. That's where he really learns to cook. And that's where he really, really learns to cook. And then he leaves. He comes back to Boston. And he opens up Bibby's. Bibs. Bibs. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> um, and Bibs is an acronym for Better in Boston. And it was for her. He named his restaurant for her. And it was all really for her. I'm dying. (laughs) And you figure this out because it's in a Best of Boston award that he won that Lily is also nominated for. And it's in the newspaper. Royal sees it. And in the interview for when, um, when Atlas does his interview with the paper, he says that it was for a friend, that that's why he named it what he did. Because everything is better in Boston. And then he notices, or should I say Ryle notices, the magnet mm. on the fridge. And he just loses his shit. Mm. This is after, like... It's this inspiring. is the second time. Is this is this the stairs? Yeah. So this is the second time. Okay. So we're going to cut at that point and we're going to start talking about their relationship now. Ryle. Ryle. Do you want to kick it off? I don't know how to kick this off, to be honest. Kick him off. Kick him off. It's mad because he's perfect. And like she's like it's in the blurb, her life is literally too good to be true. He's perfect. They have a perfect relationship. Until one night when, I don't know, they, they're just falling around, they're cooking. He takes something out of the oven, burns his hand. She kind of laughs at him, tries to help. And then she just, I feel blinding pain. And then I'm like on the floor. And it turns out he, yeah. he fucking backhanded the shit out of her in the kitchen in a blind rage because she giggled over the fact that he'd tried to pick out something from the fucking oven, may I add. You're the dipshit. You're the dickhead. You pick something that is burning hot out of the oven without using oven gloves. Not her fault, not her problem. You're the wanker. You are. You did that. You burnt your hand, Mr. Hotshot Surgeon. And then she giggled because it was that ridiculous, because it is. And you fucking backhanded her across the face, across the kitchen, you absolute knob. I just, I can't. I, I th- clearly, I'm angry I was over this. Speechless when this happened, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you take over. I was a bit like, this isn't really happening. 
surely this isn't happening. And there's a whole ordeal. She's very, very upset. Rawls super apologetic. He doesn't know what happened. He got really mad. He was panicking. Obviously, he's a surgeon who burnt his hand. And the more this goes on, the more this altercation goes on. The more you see her softening, he's softening. And you find yourself literally feeling it was an accident. He didn't mean to do that. The same way that she's feeling it. And I was like, all right, he's not like her dad. I remember you texting me when you were reading this, actually going, he's not like her dad, right? <laughs> but we were like, when I was reading it too, I was like, no, he's not like her dad at all. It was just, it came out of nowhere. It really did. Yeah. But There's you give a lot the, of that. You give him the benefit of the doubt the same way that Lily does. And I, you move on with the Yeah, story. you do. She, she, she rationalises everything. Actually, to the point where it's too rational. She's being too rational. She's like, look, he's a surgeon. He hurt his hand. He thought I didn't care because I was laughing. And it was all just stupid. We'd had something to drink. We were messing about. He fucked up. I fucked up. He didn't mean to do it, maybe. Even I said this, though, didn't I? When I messaged you, I was just like, I don't think he meant to do it. I no. think it was, uh, it was like a reaction you know like a quick off the cuff reaction if you're ha putting your burnt hand under water and someone's trying to pull it away you just sort of brush them off and I think maybe he didn't know his own strength maybe he didn't you know that's not what he meant to do he was instantly apologetic instantly like I fucked up I didn't mean to do that I can't believe that happened I'm really 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 sorry his entire demeanor changes and it's it's so quick that you go, no way did he mean to do that. There's no way he, he intentionally lashed out. Yeah. You know? He like, cleans up the mess. Yeah. He comforts her. He, he takes care of her. He, like, bandages her up. And you're just like, okay, maybe this wasn't, like, intentional, you know? Like, it was a genuine mistake. Things can happen like that, you know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to think of whether anything has ever happened in my life, but it hasn't. No. <laughs> um, Maybe I wouldn't have given him the benefit of the doubt so quickly if, if he wasn't a surgeon. Yeah. We, we're not surgeons. Absolutely not surgeons. But we are watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I can imagine that, you know, they're like multi-million dollar hands, you know what I mean? It would be like if you sprain the ankle of a sprinter. David Beckham had to have his foot cut off. Yeah, it's, that's very drastic. <laughs> <laughs> Would anyone care now if David Beck, if that happened? You know what? Don't answer that. It's fine. That's cruel. Never mind. Moving on. Um, it would. It would. It's a big deal, right? Like, yeah. It's it's a huge deal. You're a, you're a, a graphic designer. What if your right hand was like broken and you couldn't use it? You know, like what if what if I needed vocal surgery and couldn't sing in shows anymore? You know what I mean? It's it's one of those big deals where you think. Fuck. Before it happened, before he hit her, I literally found myself thinking, oh God, his hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. I was like, shit, if he's really burnt that hand, what happens? He's meant to be doing this massive surgery as well, remember? In twins. Separating twins. Joint twins. Um, And it's this big deal that's talked about. He talks about it like it's like next level shit and it's going to be published and he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a big name for it. And this is like the weekend before it happens on the Monday. Yeah. Um... So initially my brain goes, he just wanted her off him and he didn't know his own strength and he didn't mean to do it. And that was that. But the com the conversation that she's having with herself is like, he's not my dad. He's not my dad. He's not my dad. He didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. And then she's like, on the floor, I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. 
and then you're really torn about it yourself, you you are justifying his actions. And that made me really angry with myself because I was justifying his actions. And part of me goes, no, I get it. It's his hands. It's his livelihood. He didn't mean to do it. He didn't mean to push her that hard. The other part of me genuinely goes, he shouldn't have fucking pushed her at all. Yeah. There's no, there's no way in any situation where that's okay. Like you no. don't physically hurt people. Anyone. Man, woman, child, none of it. You don't do it. Definitely not somebody's best. Yeah, I didn't like myself afterwards for that. But that then leads us to the the verbal com- conversation they have when they go back to the restaurant again. Um, and after this, Atlas sees Lily's face, which is bruised and cut. And he sees Ryle's hand, which is bandaged. And he very rightly comes to the conclusion Ryle had assaulted Lily. And he's not okay with that. No, he sees red. It doesn't matter that he hasn't seen her in years and they're not close anymore. He sees red. He loses his shit over it, which causes a big fight between him and Ryle. And he kicks Ryle out of the restaurant. Um, At the time, Ryle, Lily, Alyssa, and Alyssa's husband, who I can't remember the name of. Marshall. Marshall, thank you. Are, are in the restaurant together because it's you know this place that that uh, Alyssa's wanted to go to. She'd heard the hype about it. She she wanted to type the food out. That comes crashing down pretty quick. No dramatic. Yes. So he kicks Ryle out. Ryle leaves. Lily goes with him. We're then caught in this conversation of you know prove to me that you're not with him. You know comfort me and make sure that you are not seeing him. That he doesn't mean anything to you. And obviously Lily goes with that. She comforts Ryle. She promises there's nothing going on with Atlas. That, you know, she that's only the second time she's seen him in, like, nine years. And, you know, he they, they didn't even keep in touch. They knew each other as kids. He, he had witnessed, you know, Atlas had witnessed his mother have the shit kicked out of her by her dad. And that's why he's protective. And, you know, she, she gives him a million reasons as to why reacted the way he did um yeah so then we can skip to the next part of the book where atlas comes to apologize to lily at her shop mm-hmm. Alyssa lets him in because she's just like i'm not gonna say no he's beautiful he's a restaurant <laughs> owner why why would i care like bring him in love Alyssa. yeah she she's definitely not one-sided considering ryle is her brother, mm-hmm. you know? He's a breath of fresh air. She is, yeah. Um, so she lets him in into Lily's office and he brings her a present that he's had with him for a good few years. It's, uh, he said maybe three years, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and he writes his number down and puts it on a sticky note and puts it in the back case of her phone and says, you know, it's for emergencies. But emergencies, you know? like He believes her. She, she says everything's fine. She says she's happy. Does he believe it? Does he really? No, I don't I don't think he does believe her. I think he he's doing what Atlas wanted to do when he was just a little kid, you know? And he's trying to protect her. Yeah. He's always tried to protect her and, you know, keep her safe and and be good enough for her. I think that was his main issue is that he was a homeless 18-year-old with nothing to give. Yeah. And he wanted to be somebody, he wanted to have something to give her. Um, 
So he gives her his number, puts it on a sticky note, puts it in the back of her phone. And then time number two. So the second time that we question Royal's ability to be a human being is the fridge magnet incident that we'd mentioned previously. So uh, Lily gets nominated for a best in Boston and she's like a runner up. She's number two, I think. Mm. Um, And number one is Bib. Yeah. Ironically called best in Boston. Um, (laughs) Which obviously Atlas owns and he'd given a quote in a story and he, Ryle had seen this fridge magnet and just lost it and he's like walking away from this argument and Lily goes after him to explain herself and they're on the stairs because it's an apartment building. It's it's quite harrowing actually. She, she sort of wakes up and she's in bed and that's where you read next and she's hurt and she's got a cut on her head I think and she's not in a great way and he's there sort of like telling her that she needs to keep still she needs to keep still and then she doesn't quite understand what's going on and then it's like the thoughts come back to her and she's like you pushed me down the stairs you pushed me and he said no you fell and it's at that point you're like did she fall or did he push her and then she's like no you pushed me it's like the first nod to her defiance and the first time you think yeah He's doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Even though he's, even if he doesn't think he's doing it on purpose, it's it wasn't an accident. That's what we're going with. It wasn't an accident. No. So at this point, at this point, Ryle's sister sort of gets involved because they're not speaking to each other for a for a fraction, and she says, "You know, there's something Lily really needs to know." At the beginning of the book, when they're up on the rooftop. Ryle shares a story with her about a six-year-old boy who accidentally killed his brother with a gun that they'd found and they were playing with as kids. Lily says, you know, I can't imagine what that would do to the brother that's still alive. Yeah. And he says it would change him forever, it would ruin his life. Um, And then at this point you find out that actually that is him. And he is the six-year-old that killed his brother when they were playing with a gun they didn't even know was real, that they'd found in the garage. And he quite descriptively mentions the fact that he was a six-year-old child trying to put his brother's brain back together and put everything back in his way he discusses it. That was haunting. Yeah, that destroyed me a little bit. He said he was just trying to fix him, trying to make it better, but he was trying to put everything back into his brother's head. And... After that, he has episodes. So he has episodes of rage that he can't control. And so we get this other side again of the story where his anger leads to him hurting Lily. But it's an episode that he's having where he can't control his rage. So in his anger for Lily, he pushed her down the stairs. In his anger for Lily in the kitchen, he pushed her away. Again, you're in Lily's head of trying to work through it over the fact that it's not his fault. This happens to him, but it is his fault that he's in 
intentionally hurting Lily when it does happen because he's not dealing with it the way he should be dealing with it. Like if he knows this is going to happen, walk away, you know, pull down, come back and talk later. Don't go into an argument knowing that actually the outcome of it is going to be you slapping this woman around. It's dark. It is confusing. And the hardest part for me was was hearing about her wanting to comfort him when yeah. he was telling her this story. And I'm like, you're the one like injured. You're the one hurt emotionally and physically, and you still want to comfort him. So there's like a third and and final time in this book where Ryle attacks Lily, and he does so out of anger for the fact that. They're having conversation and he drops her phone on the floor. Yeah, it's all misunderstanding, isn't it? And when he picks it up, the phone case has come off and he finds Atlas's number in the back of it. Mm. Doesn't he read the journals too at some point? Yeah, and he found her journals and reads all of the journals. I would just like to point out that she kept the journals because, one, she has every right to keep her own property, and two, because she was trying to find closure in there about not only Atlas, but her father as well. And they're hers, and she can keep them. Should she have said that she has them? Maybe, but is it really that big a deal? His insecurities push a lot of insecurities onto you when you're reading this. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I would also just like to point out that I have lots of mementos throughout my life. I've got ticket stubs from gigs that I've been to with ex-boyfriends. I've got jewellery that I've been given by people that I've dated. And I've got pictures of us together and stuff. I'm not throwing away my entire life because it's in the past. I collect memories. I keep these things close to me. I don't look at it and wish my life was different. I don't look at it and go, oh, I miss them. No, I'm happy in my relationship, my marriage now. But also my husband would never, never tell me to do that. He was he was super fucking important to her as well. So why would you throw those away? It's just wrong that you ever have to question that yourself. And I feel like this book makes me question a lot of things. Yeah. Like it makes you feel wrong for having the moral that says, well, why couldn't she have those? Mm-hmm. And I hate that because it made me question a lot of things that I've never questioned before. Made me doubt my own morals as well. I cannot justify anything that he did, but I can see why he was upset. And that's what is so infuriating about it. Yeah. But he never gives a chance. He never gives her a split second to actually explain anything. And I I don't believe that this time that he attacks her, that this was a blackout. He was coherent, he was calm, he was terrifying her. Yeah. I don't believe for a second he did not know what he was doing wholly in this situation. So he freaks out over finding the number, and then they go into the bedroom and her journals are everywhere. At this point, she tries to explain, but he pins her to the bed, and he basically tries to rape her. But as she is struggling to get away from him and telling him no repeatedly... He headbutts her in the face until she blacks out. At this point, it seems to stop him from trying to rape her. She wakes up again to the whole, oh my God, Lily, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Again. So he's like taking care of her, stitching her up or whatever. And then she waits for him to go to sleep next to her and leaves. 
and this is the first time you are my heart was in my throat because she was tiptoeing around her own apartment she was quietly trying to leave and get everything she needed together she didn't know where he'd put her keys so she left without them she was trying to find clothes it's majorly fucked up and in that moment the person she calls for help is atlas Mm -hmm. and she has to say to him please don't knock the door or ring the bell because he might hear you and that's just you're she's waiting like i think she said something like 24 minutes for atlas to turn up and in that time she was terrified of what he would do if he found out and you realize that this man is actually scaring this woman so much she's she's reached her point now she's yeah. reached the point of i can't explain this away he can't explain this away my husband tried to rape me and then he headbutted me in the face when I fought back. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no forgiveness going on right now. She's terrified. And reading that was really hard. Yeah. Was really hard. This is not the kind of book I normally read. So it actually, I don't know about you, but it, I got super emotional reading this book and really... My emotions were coming from everywhere. I was was angry. I was scared for her. I constantly had the thought of, where's this book going? What's going to happen next? What happens to Lily? Please, God, let it be a happily ever after. Like, I can't read this book. I can't read this woman's journey, this woman's fight for it to end up with her dead because of his actions. No. Or just forgiving him. Or just, yeah, just sticking with the cycle. I was too... The only thing that um, kept me going was the name of this book. I kept yeah, thinking, it ends with us, it ends with us. It ends with us, it ends with us. <laughs> Just keep holding on. And they talk about, she talks about this cycle a lot, actually, like the cycle of her mom and her dad and her and Ryle, and this constant cycle of domestic abuse. Um, when Atlas picks her up, he takes her to the hospital where she gets checked out. Um she refuses a rape kit because she's positive that he didn't rape her. Her blood work's come back and she finds out she's pregnant. Yeah. And at this point, she's already 12 weeks pregnant. Yeah. Which I kind of felt was just some fucked up tether to this man. Yeah. That she should have been able to just walk away from, clean break, get him out of her life. And it just felt like she'd just been hit again. And you had to witness this woman realising that she would be tied to this man for the rest of her child's life. And that was just fucked up. So she goes to stay with Atlas. While she's there, she meets some of Atlas's friends, which is such a reprieve. Mm-hmm. They are the, nice. a little bit of comedy, a little bit of lightheartedness. They're really blunt with things. She's really blunt with them because I don't feel like she needs to have a filter with them. Mm-hmm. She's doesn't feel worried being around these men either. So you know that her sense of self has not disappeared. And she plays poker with them <laughs> while you're waiting for Atlas to get home from work. He's, they play poker. And Atlas is there and they are there. And you realise that they work at the restaurant for Atlas. So he's like their boss. Uh, which is really cool. He knows, they know that she's pregnant and in this situation. 
and you just get a little moment of breathing room. Just a little quiet moment of, okay, breathe, relax, calm yourself back down again now. It makes you want to scream at the book. Mm. Be with this one. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I think that's really important. I think one of the major, major character designs here was that you absolutely saw the differences, the stark quality differences between Ryle and Atlas. But it almost feels like, I don't know whether it felt this way for you, but for me it was like, oh, look how great Atlas is. But he left her and never came back. Yeah. And then it's like, Ryle doesn't want a relationship, but he'll make it work for her. Look how great he is. And then look what a fuckwit he is. Yeah. And it was like, shit. It was like one thing after another constantly. Um, To the point where you... It's so hard because she knows that she doesn't want to go back to Ryle, but she knows she has to leave Atlas's apartment at some point. You also, that night when the friends come over to play poker, you find out that Atlas's girlfriend is (laughs) a figment of everyone's imagination. She doesn't (laughs) exist. And he'd said it as a gut reaction because... When he spoke to Lily, Lily was happy and she was with someone and he wasn't. He'd waited for her. So at this point, she leaves Atlas's place to go back to her own apartment. And she goes to the florist shop and Ryle walks in and hands the keys over and says that he's going to take an in, like a residency, I guess, sort of thing in England for three months. So he won't be around he doesn't try really to apologise for his actions. He doesn't talk about it, does he? No, he doesn't really know what to say. He knows, though. I think he knows. It's mentioned that he knows that this is it, you know? Yeah. Um, And this is the end of whatever it is, and he can't really fix it at this point. So it's quite a finite moment in the book. So she goes to the apartment, and she's living there alone, And you can tell that he's not mentioned anything to his sister either because she's like, come and see the new baby. You know, like, we haven't seen you. You've not met her since the moment she was born. Yeah, Um, kind of avoid it all. So she does. She spends time with with his sister, doesn't say anything. She's trying to hide that she's pregnant as well. Um, And that comes to a head when his sister's like, I know something's going on. Talk to me. Yeah. And she kind of tells her everything everything from the first interaction the first problem that happened because they've been lying about it up until this point ryle turns around and and you know at the very beginning tells his sister that lily had slipped and that's how she'd hurt herself because there was oil everywhere after he tried to take the pan out of the oven and you know they'd hidden things and lied about it yeah and she comes clean and tells his sister everything and then you know, she's preparing herself to hear Alyssa say, you know, you know, take him back and this is why and, you know, sympathise. But she actually turns around and says, as much as I love my brother, if you take him back, I will be so angry at you. You know, like, enough is enough. This has to end. She just says, leave him. Leave him. I loved that. It was just... And it was such a moment of his actions do not justify anything leave him 
So they then start talking about baby stuff and she gives her all of these like maternity clothes and at this point she's about 16, 20 weeks or something like that, isn't she? She's just trying to really help her be excited about it. Yeah, because she's not. Not excited at all, she's terrified. It kind of then skips the part where obviously they're all talking about it. She tells her mom about it as well. She she had a conversation with her mother and she's really worried about that because obviously her mom lived through domestic abuse and justified her father's actions all the time. But the conversation she has with her mother is also very eye-opening and she realises the strength her mother has because her mom turns around and said that basically every time she allowed it to happen because she was so in love with her with Lily's father, it became easier for her to allow it to happen. And she says that every time I forgave him and every time I stayed, it made it easier to happen again because I allowed it to through my love. And even harder to leave. And even harder to leave at that point. So she also tells Lily that you, you have to leave Royal. And this was the kind of confirmation that she needed to hear from the people that she loves. Yeah. I was relieved for her. She goes to leave her apartment three months later and at the door is Royal. He notices straight away that she's pregnant because she's wearing the maternity clothes that she got from his sister. And... She just doesn't know how to tell him. I mean, how do you, I wouldn't know what to do at all. No. Situation. I can't blame her for any, any choice that she made. She didn't want to tell him over the phone. She didn't want it to be a thing that she told him over the phone. She hadn't had contact with him. And at this point, she she tells him. They... I think he says something along the lines of, I came here knowing this was over. I knew there was nothing I could say to get you to forgive me. And, but he starts begging, doesn't he? He's very yeah. much like, that was before I knew this. And he's now he's just like, please. Yeah, he... He doesn't even really say sorry. He just begs her to forgive him, wants her back in his life, says that he'll change and that, you know, they'll make it work for the baby. They'll get help. And you know what? He does get help, but they coexist. They don't, they're not together. He doesn't stay there. He's living with his sister. And... Through the pregnancy from that point on, she's very, very, very wary of him. She does not let him in. There's no relationship. There's no emotion there of that kind. And it kind of then skips to almost like the very end of her pregnancy. He's put, he puts a crib together for her. And it's like that's one of the first times she actually allows him to touch her. Mm-hmm. So that he can sort of like touch her tummy and feel the baby kick. Because up until this point, she couldn't stand the idea of him touching her. Yeah. And I kind of get that a lot, actually. I don't think I'd have given him that privilege mm-hmm. if it was me personally. Um, and then he leaves because he stopped the night on the couch because it's so close to her due date. And... She has to call him back up and she's like, it's happening because her water breaks. She's in the shower at this point, <laughs> trying to like clean herself off. He comes back, running back to the apartment, finds her in the shower and he's like, what the hell, get out the shower. This is time. It's got time to go. But do you remember what he said? He's no. like, he's like, he just looks at her and he's like, you're beautiful. 
Yeah. Because he's never obviously never experienced this pregnancy with her. He hasn't been a part of it at all. He hasn't seen her naked. He hasn't seen her tummy. And he just looks at her and he's like, you're beautiful. And there's so many indicators at this point in the book that make you think... They're going to work gonna, it out. She's going to forgive him. Yeah. I remember being... I remember seeing him say that. And I'm like, that's a nice thing to say, but I was terrified. Mm. Really, really scared at that point that it wasn't going to end the way I wanted it to. Yeah, yeah. It, this is definitely the point of the book where you're thinking... They are going to work this out. They're going to end up back together. She's going to forgive him for the sake of this child. And you are terrified that that's going to be how this story ends. Um, and it's a massively real possibility at this point. It is. Um, they get to hospital and she's already like nine centimetres dilated. This baby's coming like now. Um, she obviously has her child. And while she's still in the hospital room, Riley's holding her baby and he's just got this look of love and hope and, you know, he's looking he's looking at Lily and he's looking at the baby and he's holding the child and it's a little girl. And she turns round to him and she just says in such a very calm way, I want a divorce. And he's like, no, Mm -hmm. no, don't do this, don't do this. She's like, what would you say? And this was such a moment in this book. I mean, I can't explain to you how much of a moment in this book this was. She turns around to him and says, what would you say if, if our little girl came home one day and said, Daddy, my boyfriend hurt me? And she goes on to say, what would you say if... A uh, little girl comes home one day and she says, Daddy, my my husband tried to rape me. What would you tell her to do? What What would you say to her at this point? And he is emotionally distraught, isn't he? Falling he's, he's falling apart. And she just keeps going with it. She keeps pointing out the injustice in it. And she says, what would you say to this child that we love so incredibly, what would you say to her if she was like, Daddy, my husband hurt me. He pushed me down the stairs. He tried to rape me. What would you tell our child to do? And he turns around and says, I would beg her to leave him. I would beg her to leave him and never look at him again. And that's when I think it really clicks in his head. It has taken him to love his own child to understand that actually, you know, he is the bad guy. You wouldn't want to put your your own child in that situation. He just, I think everybody just breathes a collective sigh of relief at this moment. Yeah. It's so powerful, the end of that book. It's so powerful, I was like sobbing. I was sobbing too. There's a couple of really good quotes that came from this part of the book. After their, their moment, after she's said all of this to Riley, kind of leaves the room and she's just having a moment with her daughter. And you're obviously getting her in- internal monologue and everything, but the quote goes, my mother went through it, I went through it. I'll be damned if I allow my daughter to go through it. I kiss her on the forehead and make her a promise. It stops here. With me and you, it ends with us. It was perfect. What a way of pointing out that, though. That was just the moment in the book where you realise that the actual goddamn title of the book is not really about them at all. 
It's about breaking the cycle that's happening and not allowing this abuse, this abuse of relationships, this abuse of love. Love is a massive theme throughout this book and the strength that love has over people. Not allowing that to continue and having the strength within herself to know that love is not enough. It's not enough to change this. Absolutely. She takes a look at the situation she's in now and I think it instantly just clicks into her head about what she went through with her mum. And she, she says it herself, I'll be damned if my daughter goes through this too. And she she doesn't want her daughter to... to and there's a strength in what she talks about as well where she doesn't want her daughter to have the memories of her dad being the way her dad was. Yep. Of being able to break the cycle so that her daughter only has happy memories with her father. Mm-hmm. And doesn't have to witness her father's reaction to her mother. And it's so powerful. And it it really makes you realise how strong Lily is. To say, I'm not even doing this for me, I'm doing it for my daughter. And you know what, she's doing it for him too. Yeah. She really is, because like she said... He, he, he's, he's She's saving their relationship. Saving their relationship. And because the hardest part about all of this is because she doesn't not love him. She still loves him at this point. She hates the things he's done and she hates it for it. But she still loves him. And I think doing this is just... It's the best thing for all three of them, even though he doesn't see it at this moment. And then it kind of skips, yeah, a year, maybe longer. More than that. I think it's about 11. <laughs> the, proof that, the proof that she still cared about Royal was in the pudding because they named their daughter Emerson after his brother. Yes. So selfless yeah. on her part. She understands that. She loves that family. She loved the relationship that they had and how much it meant to him. I wanted to just... 11 months. 11 months. So the epilogue starts up where she's walking Emerson across a street and it says, I pull the top down and look down at Emmy. She's kicking her feet, smiling like usual. She's a very happy baby. She has a calm energy about her and it's addictive. A woman asks how old she is. She says that she's 11 months. She's actually walking to meet Ryle in front of the florist shop so that he can have his day with her. Yeah. They're co-parenting. Yeah. And she sees Atlas in the street. He bends down. Emerson grabs his hand and he's giggling away like (laughs) a beautiful baby that she is. And that's kind of almost the whole reaction because she's late to meet Ryle. He's opening up a new restaurant on that street that she's walking on, which is why he's there. And she kind of rushes to leave him because she's late for Ryle. And I'm guessing at this point as well, she also doesn't want to make him angry. Even though it's not said and that he's clearly in a better place because he is talking to professionals. They're not together. Everything seems very calm. There's there's definitely an urgency she has to make sure that she's not keeping him waiting that is not really talked about at all. It's just a, just a, more like a personal feeling that I got at this point. Yeah. Um, like for me personally, it spoke to the fact that how much their relationship has probably grown, hers and Miles, now that they're separate and doing things separately because after everything she went through, the fact that she still is willing to hand her daughter over to him to be looked after, it says a lot about how he's developed, how she's developed, and how much she does still trust him yeah. to be a dad. And I think it must have something to do with just a different kind of love that you have for a child. Yeah. You know? Um, Selflessness. 
Yeah. So she drops Emerson off with Ryle and basically rushes away. She's like, I've got to go. Bye. Runs back to find Iris on the street and catches him. She's out of breath and she says, I forgot to tell you Emerson's middle name. She puts her hands on her hips and says, it's Dory. (laughs) And that's a nod to the Ellen DeGeneres thing, the whole idea of Dory saying, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. It was something they would say to each other quite often. Little in-joke. The present that he'd got her previously that we'd mentioned about when he came around to apologise for what had happened at the restaurant was a signed Ellen DeGeneres book that said, just keep swimming, Lily. (laughs) Um, And it had been something they'd said to each other so that they could just keep going on, keep going with life, keep, keep pushing forwards. So it's, it has a lot of meaning to it at this point. And I'd just like to point out that, because now we really are on the last page of the book. The last, the last paragraph of the book says, I close my eyes when I feel his lips meet the spot on my collarbone. He presses a gentle kiss there. And it feels just like the first time he kissed me there all those years ago. He brings his mouth to my ear and whispers. He says, you can stop swimming now, Lily. We finally reached the shore. And that's the end of the book. Mm. (laughs) Part of me wanted more. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we have now figured out that there's a sequel coming. It starts with us. It starts with us. And it tells you the beginning of the story from Atlas's point of view, what it was like for him and his side of the story, obviously. I think we're going to get bits about the military. We're going to get, you know, why he built his shop, his his restaurant, why he called it what it did. Mm-hmm. And then it tells you more about them together, which I'm really needing because really about. I want that. I want to see that. I need that for her, yeah. I think. This was just a beautiful book. But it tore me apart. Oh, God. In ways I didn't know or didn't expect, could never have imagined. Absolutely. I picked it up thinking it was a romance novel and it just took me for a bloody ride. There are definitely points that we've forgotten to talk about, things that happened. So many cute little quirks and things in this book. That it's just something... she, she has a little... He, he gave her... He gave her that open-ended heart that he'd made out of a branch from the oak tree. And she had a tattoo made on her collarbone where he used to kiss her with the same shaped open-ended heart. And it was this beautiful thing that she'd had tributed to him and never told anybody really about it or what it meant. And it was kind of tainted because Ryle bit her. Oh, yeah, you bit her on there. Oh, that's awful like, physically clamped his jaw down to hurt her. Ugh, I forgot about that part. And it... He just left so many, like, horrible reminders Mm -hmm. of himself there. But, yeah, this this book was just... I don't think even... Even even if this hadn't have been a book about domestic abuse and it was just her meeting while... I still would have rooted for Atlas because they just had such an amazing connection. Mm -hmm. I loved the flashbacks together they were just it was powerful yeah it was powerful so sweet the way they grew up together and the things they did for each other yeah i would have rooted for him from the second i read about him even if it was a happily ever ending with rod i don't think i'd have been happy with that no it was something it just it's hard to actually put into words 
what this book is like. I mean, it was this was probably a very emotionally charged episode. Mm. A lot of deep topics were covered here. But I still think people should read it. It's hard to kind of put into words what this is like by just by talking to talking about it now. Talking about it now, it sounds horrible. Like a horrible book. But it was amazing. I it think everybody should read it. It wasn't a horrible book. I mean, there's an author note at the end of the book, which is quite a long author note for a, a change, actually. And it does say it's recommended this section be read after reading the book as it contains spoilers. She talks about how this book was written about her mother and her father. So the fir- the very first bit, I'll just I'll just read that bit to you and then I won't read the rest because um, it's quite long. But it says, My earliest memory of life was from the age of two and a half years old. My bedroom didn't have a door and was covered by a sheet nailed to the top of the door frame. I remember hearing my father yelling, so I picked, I peeked out the other side of the sheet just as my father picked up our television and threw it at my mother, knocking her down. She divorced him before I turned three. Every memory beyond that of my father was a good one. He never once lost his temper with me or my sisters, despite having done so numerous times on numerous occasions with my mother. She goes on to explain that she talked about her father and talked to her mother before publishing this book because she wanted to make sure that she was okay with it. It's tough, actually, because you read it and... In there she says, The first incident between Ryle and Lily in the kitchen is what happened the first time my father ever hit my mother. She was cooking a casserole. He'd been having a drink. He pulled the casserole out the oven without using a pot holder. She thought it was funny and she laughed. The next thing she knew, she'd been hit so hard she flew across the kitchen floor. You realise how... How much of a toll this must have taken on her to write. Yeah. And almost how cathartic it could have been afterwards. Definitely. She wanted to tell a story. You do get a sense, though, that her father realised he knew. Mm-hmm. And he also knew that his mum, her mum, Colleen's mum, had spared him by leaving because he'd still had a relationship with his children. And you knew that, that he realised... You know, because she said, I remember sitting down in my father's living room a month before my wedding. I told him I loved him, but that I was going to be asking my stepfather to walk me down the aisle. I was prepared for his response with every rebuttal I could think of, but the response he gave me was nothing I I expected. He nodded his head and said, Colleen, he raised you. He deserves to give you away at your wedding, and you shouldn't feel guilty about it because it's the right thing to do. I knew my decision absolutely gutted my father, but he was selfless enough as a father, to not only respect my decision, but he wanted me to respect it too. That hit me quite hard, that bit did, for personal reasons of it all. One thing in there as well is is that Lily's mum turns around to Lily at some point and says, I want to be you when I grow up. It's quite funny at the time. Yeah, but it's, a, it's beautiful. And then when, when Lily's having the conversation with her mother later on about what's happening with Ryle, and her mother explains the strength that she had to leave. She kind of looks at her mom in a whole new light. And the fact that, no, she didn't leave his, her father, you know, he had to die for her to get out of that situation. But she does look at her mom in a completely different way and she turns around and says, Mama, I want to be you when I grow up. Yeah. And it was such a connection. And in this 
author's note at the end of the author's note obviously we we realize now that the book is based a lot on her life her mum's life what her dad was like and how deeply deeply personal it all is she said before I wrote this book I had a lot of respect for my mother now that I finished it and was able to explore the tiny fraction of the pain and struggle she went through to get where she is today I only have one thing to say to her I want to be you when I grow up Beautiful. We don't have a lot to say about the end of this book. It was just overwhelming. Mm, The whole book was overwhelming. Um, Make sure you're not in a fragile place when you read this. That's a warning I'll give you. Try, Try and... You have to read it, but don't be in an emotionally unstable place at the time you do read it. Because it's not an easy read, but it is a read we should all read. Everyone should read this book because, yes, there are trigger warnings. Yes, there are things that are difficult to hear, difficult to witness like you are witnessing it yourself. But it has changed a lot of my perspective because I really was the kind of woman that would be like, just leave his ass, get out, what's the problem? I still feel that way for about 80%, but the other 20% of me goes... These women are in love with the people that are hurting them the most. Mm-hmm. Where do you go from that? What do you do? My other 20% is just, you don't know until you know. Yeah. I think that's exactly how Lily was at the beginning of this book about her mum. That's how she felt towards her mum. Yeah. And she got to the end of the book and she totally understood. And that's how we feel. Yeah. It was a rough ride, but it was worth it. I would never have picked up a book knowing it was about domestic abuse or this kind of thing. But I'm really, really glad I read this. Yeah. It stayed with me. It's like one of the first books I read after Christmas and I still still think about it all the time and I'm very ready for that sequel. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So that's the end of our... Uh, Incredibly long podcast. Yes. A lot to unpack. Um, I thought this would be another quick one, but apparently not. Yeah. Um, I haven't talked a lot at all because you've just been on a roll. I sorry. Haven't wanted, I haven't wanted to interrupt you. I've just loved listening to you talk about it. Oh, I apologise. I, I felt like... No, I felt like I was listening to the podcast. It's great. Yeah, I think it's it's been difficult for me to read it, though, because my mum was a victim of domestic abuse when she married her first husband. It f- just fucked with her. He mm. destroyed her in ways a man should never be able to destroy a woman. Yeah. Or a woman should never be able to destroy a man. Or, you know, let's just say a human should never be able to do that to another human. Be- no. This is just Colleen Hoover's truth. Yeah. It resonated in a very, very minor way with me over my own mother. I wonder how many other people that have read this, though, that it's helped. It's got to have been cathartic. Yeah. Just an absolute shove of all of your emotions. But, yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't a very happy episode. But no. We promised you would like this if you read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we love Atlas. Yes, we love Atlas. We love... Better in Boston. Yes. <laughs> I want to go to Boston. The fucking oak tree. <laughs> I want to go to Boston and buy steampunk flowers. Yes. I love Alyssa. Yeah, she was a great friend. Brilliant friend. She needed her. She did. And she knew that she knew that, that she needed her. We love Lily. She's an amazing woman. And I love that Ryle's getting the help he needs. I want to be Lily when I grow up. Yeah. <laughs> So, 
That's the end of that one. That was It Ends With Us by Colin Hoover. I went on a little bit of a Colleen Hoover kick after this. Me too. <laughs> so I read a bunch of her books after this. Before I read It Ends With Us, I actually read another Lucy Score book, which <laughs> I told you I've been reading Surprise me. a bunch of those. So after I read It Ends With Us, I then moved on to Maybe Someday. And now I am halfway through the second book in that series called Maybe Now. Mm-hmm. In my to-be-read, I also have November 9, which will be my next one. Which, coincidentally, may I point out that I went for all of, like, the romance novels or the seemingly romance novels because, hello, it ends with us, not just a romance novel. Um, whereas Emma, who also went on a Colleen Hoover kick, went completely the opposite way. But I read the thrillers. <laughs> I went from It Ends With Us straight on to Verity. Basically, I had it recommended to me by somebody else who went on a Colleen Hoover kick and I had to, I had to read it and that was just a shit show. I love that book. <laughs> It was, it was great. She, I don't know how she writes something such a beautiful romance, and then writes like a damn psychopath. Colleen, are you okay? <laughs> and then I also read Layla, which I thought was a thriller, but it wasn't, and that was just n- not really my thing. I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I was. It was. I was even more glad when I finished it. <laughs> it was like a paranormal romance, and I was just not really feeling it. But but did you guys know? Did you know that Colleen Hoover started out on Wattpad? I did not know this until you told me. And Wattpad is this community of non-paid writers that can go on there and write stories. And originally, when I started listening, uh, reading Wattpad stories, everything was free, okay? Wattpad was pretty new. And let me tell you that the after movies, the, the author of the after movies, they all... Uh, thank you. Anna Todd, I don't know it enough. No. Um, they all came from Wattpad. They were all on Wattpad. Colleen Hoover was a Wattpad writer. I mean, now you have to pay for things. Yeah. It's kind um, of like a little bit of fan fiction, a little bit of... It, yeah, it's what you wanted it to be. I've read some of the most amazing stories on there. Yeah, I mean, you tried to get me into it for a really long time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she was originally a Wattpad author. She's just... Super talented. Yeah. And evident in the fact that we haven't put her books down since we will read anything that she writes. Yes. We are currently in a waiting game of we've got books that come out in March. Oh, God. <laughs> and so many books. We're, we're waiting because it's still frigging February <laughs> somehow. <laughs> um, and so it's been real nice, actually, just to be able to pick up these books at random and we look forward to speaking to you all. We're not going to see you. <laughs> we look forward to speaking to you all about our next praise on a book in our next episode. I imagine there'll probably be some more Colleen Hoover episodes, do you think? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's inevitable. Especially it starts with us. Yes. <laughs> oh. That one definitely needs to come out. Check back for that one in September. Yes. It's not out until September this year. And I can promise you as soon as it's out, we'll read it and we'll get a review up as soon as possible yes thanks very much guys we hope you've enjoyed it we've absolutely enjoyed i know i have anyway because i know i monopolized a lot of this hour and a half conversation Mm. it's nice to get the feelings out yeah (laughs) there was a lot of feels going on in this one but i've definitely enjoyed this this one um 
Suppose you have a voice left. I know. <laughs> Goodbye for now. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.